La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, ding, dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Hello, my rugby friends, and welcome to a new edition of French Rugby Connections, season three, with moi, your host, Véronique Landieu. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Tom, Tom Dixon. Good evening, everyone, or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Bonjour from Toulouse. Yes, and you may have rec uh, recognized Tom. Tom was very kind you know, to be my translator and thanks to him I was able to speak with Fabien Pelouse, Didier Charvet, no Denis Charvet, I beg your pardon, Yannick Josion, Eric Chant. Oh that was wonderful, you know, so and maybe maybe soon, but having said that, you know, Fabien Gatis English is getting better and better. You know, I've heard him speaking. He's it's just very, very modest. I think <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, certainly, Denis Chavé uh, asked for an interpreter, and then he interrupted me after 90 seconds and spoke excellent English, totally putting me to one side. Yeah, I have to say, I really like the quality. One of the main quality of rugby players, you know, at that level as well, is that you know they really show some great humility, and you know our. Um, Interaction have been ever, ever so friendly, you know. So, so. But, but, also, but also, better that in the top 14, the most common language used in the changing rooms and in the coaching rooms is English because there's so many people from around the world, the Pacific Islanders, who didn't even learn French at school. So, mm -hmm. when you hear people like Roman Tamak speaking English in a social setting, his English is excellent far more than the equivalent British schoolboy would be in French. But I think, you know, Gen Z are lucky because they grew up with YouTube, with Internet, with Netflix. So that's why their the English is pretty good. Anyway, let's start cracking. Guess what, Tom? What will happen in one year's time? 365 days time, I believe I'll be in a pub watching France versus New Zealand in the Stade Saint-Denis, Stade de France. In Saint-Denis. Is that right? Yes. You could go to Rue de la Soif in the sixième arrondissement. I think it's sixième or septième arrondissement, which is really where you got all the rugby theme pubs. But yes, 8th of September is going to start with a big bang. It will be France against New Zealand, 8th of September. And I have to say, looking at the state of New Zealand, meow! <laughs> I was going to say, they were quite good once, weren't they? <laughs> well, we have to, again, you know, we can't, uh, we have to show some humility and, you know, it's because uh, they could ramp up, you, you never know. So that's why always be cautious of your adversaries. But looking at the way the Jean Gatier, you know, has shaped the, the French team, it's looking rather positive. We have to hope that France hasn't peaked too early. But, Veronique, I must tell you, for our listeners to put in their diaries that next week on the 13th, tickets are coming on sale on a match-by-match -match basis for the World Cup matches at 6 p.m. French time. I know I have it in my diary. Frankly, it's so difficult to get tickets. You have to be lucky. You get sat in a queue for half an hour and then you get bounced out. 
But I did actually manage to go through this system to get tickets for the five matches in Toulouse, when many of my season ticket holder friends in Toulouse didn't manage that. So I'm optimistic. In in 2015, I did manage to get tickets to 15 of the matches, including the first and the last. So I will very much hope, although I don't expect it, that I'll be able to answer your last question by saying in 365 days' time, I will be in the Stade de France clutching my ticket watching France against New Zealand. Tom, I really, really hope as well that some of our listeners will be luckier than the previous times because the demand is incredible and unfortunately the places do not match that demand. So they will be some disappointed, you know, rugby fans, but hey, we will be able to watch on TV at reasonable time. We won't have to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> or something like that. So finger crossed that it would be an easier process to obtain, you know, the tickets. But let's talk about France. So, Tom, tell me how many times France was a runner-up? Oh, certainly when Thierry Dizetroy was in New Zealand and they lost in the last minute against New Zealand. They were the runner-up, I suppose that was 2011, I guess. And I think that also in the 80s, maybe 89 or so, but you'll tell me. Yeah. Okay, so close. Yeah, not, not, not in 89, but 1987, during the first World Cup that took place in New Zealand. You know, it was a team in which Eric Chan was part of, Sela. Frank Menel, Philippe Saint-André. And, you know, they all went for fun. And when I spoke with, I think he told me, you know, if only we would have trained even more because we could have bagged that cup, you know. So absolutely amazing. And they were coached by the incredible, you know, petit caporal, Jacques Ferrou. Such a great character. I would have loved to have met him. Very charismatic and very, very shrewd, very clever as well in his, in his coaching strategy. So, yes, so three times runners-up. So as you can appreciate, I know you are both now French and, and British. But, you know, if you look at the last 10 World Cup, there's only one team from the North Hemisphere which has won. And it was... Oh, that, that would be Johnny Wilkinson's England. Exactly. Well, Johnny Wilkinson <laughs> and Martin Johnson Martin and Johnson Ben Cohen, all the, all the really great, great guys. So, yes, I think it's about time. It's about time that the Northern Hemisphere team win. I'm think, keep finger crossed for France, but... Don't, don't write off Ireland. They're doing extremely well at the moment and they have always put on a really good show. They're, we laugh at them. Full fans will say Ireland often peak a year before the World Cup and it's possible they have done now. But it could be a good fight between France and Ireland right up until the last. And uh, fantastic because we have the Six Nations Grand Slam under our belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, Ireland has been showing some great performance. And right now they're ranking one in the world rugby. I think in July, July, August, France managed to get the, to the pole position, but uh, Ireland, you know, overtook them. So in terms of very quickly, a quick question for you. So who are the teams who won three World Cups? And would you remember the, the year? I will tell you if you don't know. Uh, New Zealand, 2011, 2015, and probably 87. 
Jackie Lorenzetti, who is the billionaire owner of, of Racing 92. And wow, yeah. And another topic, you know, we'll um, talk, you know, later on this season, the interest, the love of wine by former rugby players, existing rugby players. And some of the players also have yes, some vineyards. Some, some vineyards. Well, when you go to the Stade Toulousain Tennis Club and ask for a bottle of wine, they they try and press you to a wine called a trois syllabes, which is made by, which is owned by three gentlemen, one of which is Didier Lacroix, the chairman of Stade Toulousain. So, wow. so, so you soon find out who the winemakers, Laporte of Head Winery and Josian. Yes, we'll carry that on another day. But yeah, wine is a common language, definitely when you're a rugby player, wine and beer, and <laughs> especially wine. So to, to finish off, you know, who won, you know, the, the World Cup? So South Africa, you were right, 1995. We won't talk about that game between France and, and, and South Africa. I think that day the referee might have a little bit of a problem with his glasses. <laughs> Then 2007... And 2019, which was absolutely amazing because everybody thought that England would have won because they played basically the final against New Zealand, you know, the, the week before. But yes. May I just bring up to, to deal with it sooner rather than later? Yes, I have two passports. I had an English passport for 50 years and then I've had an English and a French passport. But I now support France in the senior team. Because I know the players. The turning point was about seven years ago when I went to an under-20s World Cup final in Béziers between England and France. And the English under-20s I hadn't heard of because I hadn't been, uh, I'd been a Stade Toulousain season ticket holder for 16 years. So 
I wouldn't know the English youngsters. But the French youngsters, I did know. There were names like Natamak and Brennan. Dupont wasn't there, but Jolange was there. And so not only did I physically know the players, I knew them to say hello to them, recognise them. So over the last few years, yes, of course, they get my support. And they say you can change your nationality, but you can't change your team. Well, I, I beg to differ. You can. Allez les bleus. Yeah, definitely. You're a true European, a bit like Boris Johnson's father, who now has French nationality, but we won't talk about that. And finally, Australia, you know, won twice, 1991 with the like of Michael Lina and in 1999. So, let's talk about the top 14 started last weekend. Oh, so happy to see it back. I'm so excited, like a child. Yeah, for our listeners who may not have heard before, but you are a massive Toulouse supporter. Tell me more about your thought about that game against Bordeaux. Well, first of all, it was on at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday evening. For those of you of a certain age who work, Staying up until midnight on a Sunday evening is very difficult, especially with a heavy week ahead. I did have a heavy, heavy week. It was an away game. Lots of my friends did go off in a bus and they got back about four o'clock the following morning. So I'm glad I didn't do that. I went to bed at the end of the first two. Bordeaux scored tries in the 23rd, 28th and 34th minute. So bang, bang, bang. They're in charge. And I thought, oh dear, that's too bad. So I went to bed for about 20 minutes and then I could hear my iPad going ping, ping, ping with lots of people getting excited. So I got up again and watched one of the most exciting and eventful matches. I, I have to say, I don't think Bordeaux deserved to lose. It must be absolutely spitting. As I said, the first quarter of the match, Toulouse were pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, but Bordeaux were good at negating the Dupont effect. Mm. Obviously, the Bordeaux opposite Antoine Miguel used to be number two or three to Dupont in, in Stade Toulousain. So, so they were having a bit of a fight, but they're very different players, both very good, respectful. But Toulouse didn't make much progress in the first 20 minutes when they were on top, and then they went to sleep. And that's, as I said, the Bordeaux tries came in. They went in at half-time, 22-9. Very difficult to come back to that. Obviously, the stadium was full, even though it was 9 o'clock on Sunday night. And the, the match was yeah, time to go to bed for old men like me. But after the second half had started, there was some very good coaching by Ugo Mola bringing on new blood, strong blood. It's quite interesting because one thing that it will be a, a standard complaint about all the games today in Pro Liga and in Top 14 is that it's the first match of the season. The players don't know each other. They don't. It, a lot of it is about the forwards. And indeed, in my player of the match, most of them are the number eights because they're the ones scoring the try because the forwards were just being physical against each other rather than the backs being good at throwing the ball around. But two blues came back. We had a couple of very good tries. In the 56th minute, Veronique, we had a try from Matisse Labelle. And for those people who can speak a bit of French, you may appreciate what the commentator said, which to be exact was, La balle à la belle, la vie est belle. Oh, that's... So, obviously that alliteration. But, so, la balle à la belle, so if you give the ball to Matisse la belle, la, la vie est belle, life is wonderful. That's beautiful. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, you can be creative in rugby. Absolutely. I have to say, no, regarding Bordeaux, Jalibert wasn't really himself, maybe because he didn't warm up properly, but he did lose two of his kicks. And if, if Jalibert would have scored, you know, Bordeaux would have won. Yes, Sartre-Lizanne were winning and Bordeaux had three kickable chances. Not easy, but you'd certainly expect them to go over the 70th, the 73rd and the 78th minute. And all three of them missed. They changed from Jalibert to Lucu, but that didn't do it. So Toulouse squeezed through, as I said. I'm not, not sure. I think it's difficult to say. I think Toulouse deserved to win, but Bordeaux didn't deserve to lose. But... It was very exciting. The crowd loved it. The other two interesting statistics in this is one that in the last match of the last season, we had two people playing for Toulouse who, yeah, who at the weekend were playing for Bordeaux and one person playing for Bordeaux who was playing for Toulouse and actually was almost man of the match. In fact, he, was, if he might well have been. The, the new Toulouse guy is Rumat, number eight. I did say I like the number eight. And the two guys who had been for Toulouse was my friend Zach Holmes. I can hear your passion, you know, when you talk about Toulouse. One more point, if I can. It's almost unheard of. Toulouse fielded 20 players out of 23 that hold a French passport. This is almost never heard of in British, French, Irish, maybe Leinster manage it. But to have 20 players of, of the same nationality is extraordinary. Brilliant. It's helpful that the authorities reward using homegrown talent and the famous GIF system, but also it's cheaper building people up in your own academies. They benefit from the quality of the competition throughout, and so everyone wins, and it's success breeds success. And, you know, they've got, got some good pedigree stock as well, like uh, Tamak, Beno, and, and others. But, hey, we, let's... The young Brennan, the young Brennan, Joshua has come through and he played all the match in number four and he was also extremely powerful and good. Let me review, you know, some of the score because I'm conscious of the time. So, <laughs> Brive, Brive played at home. They lost, unfortunately, 27 to 31. La Rochelle won against Montpellier, 26-22, so quite tight score. Po against Perpo won 16 to 14. Racing 92, 25 to 19. Good start for Racing. Stade Francais against Clermont. Stade Francais, very good for the Parisian team. Won against Clermont. It was 24-18. And then finally, wow, Sergio Peris is still playing, but the highest score was Toulon. They were on fire against Bayonne, 40-25. So in terms of ranking for the first week of the top 14, we got Toulon with number one, Ra followed by Racing 92, then Stade Francais. Number four, we have Lyon, then La Rochelle. Six, Pau, seven, Toulouse. And then behind, number eight, Bordeaux, then Perpignan, Brive, Mont 11, but it's only the, the beginning. I'm sure they will ramp up. Clermont, yes. <laughs> Castres, and then, and then Bayonne. So let's talk about the next games. Well, the Bayonne against Racing 92. That should be a clear win for Racing. Bayonne are the newly promoted ones. You got thrashed by Toulon, as you've just said. Castres against Stade Francais. They're quite evenly mixed. I would see Castres, I would see Castres winning that. There's still a bit of indiscipline the other day the beginning of the season, dropping things and forward passes. Clermont against Poe. 
I can't see that being particularly interesting. Poe had the most boring match last weekend, so I think Claremont should comfortably win that. Lyon against La Rochelle on Saturday afternoon. That might be worth watching. La Rochelle, obviously, European champions. Lyon have been very strong and at home. That could even be very close. I'll enjoy watching that. Saturday evening, the top spot is Montpellier receiving bordeaux Begler. So Bordeaux, having lost just against Toulouse the other night, should, should put up a good fight. I think that'll be a very fierce fight. And on Saturday, we also have Perpignan against Breve, normally a bottom of the table. Again, another few, couple of ill-disciplined sides. That could be a little ugly. And then on Sunday night, again at nine o'clock at night, what do they think I'm up to? I am going to start in as well. I'll be sitting in my seat behind the subs bench. Toulouse received Toulon at nine o'clock at an as well. Brilliant. Give, give my regards to the boys, okay? Les Rouges et Noirs. Toulouse only played one warm-up match, and that was away to Toulon. Uh. And Toulouse thrashed Toulon. I can't remember what the score was. So uh, Toulon might be coming for some revenge. Right. And this week, you know, regarding French rugby news. So, unfortunately, you may have heard, you know, Virimi Vakatawa is retiring due to health issues. He's having some heart problems. So a really talented, you know, player who really made a mark, not only, you know, for Racing 92 and other teams, but also in Les Bleus. But Fabien Gatier was very elogious. And this week, he did say during the press conference that he held with Virimi Vakatawa, he did say, Vakatawa a fait beaucoup rêver les enfants. So what does it mean? That's your French lesson uh, for you. Making, let, letting children dream, allowing children to, to dream their dreams, to have ambitions, to, to know that nothing is impossible, but also to live for the day that every match might be your last, which is a sad thing to say, but you know, I'm sure the rugby world will look after Birami and find skills for him in coaching and in helping people come up through the stages. I saw him a lot of times in the French Sevens team He was contracted by the FFR to play sevens when he didn't have a top 14 club. It was very powerful, a key part of the plans for next year. So there are plenty of people who will step into his boots, but will be sorely missed. So good luck to him. Yes, and we've got all the rugby news, but we will deep dive next week. So... Let's talk about the Pro D2. So briefly, you know, tell me more about what's happening in the Pro D2 because it's an important competition as well. Oh, it's very competitive this year more than ever. There's not much in it. And some of the teams have been up and down in the top 14. As you'd expect, there are about three blocks. The top third who will be fighting for promotion. The middle third who are trying to get up into that group but not really expected to yet. They're in building, building mode. And the last third who who know where they are they're pleased they're doing a good job but what's funny at the moment is the beginning of the season they're not they've not had much time together they haven't got things working and the team that i saw as 14th overall in the great scheme of things is first at the moment that, that's rouen from the not very rugby capital up near paris and they have had 
two victories. Basically, the league is simple. Two teams have had two victories, so two teams have had two losses, and everyone else has had one, and at the moment they're in the middle. So I can't read too much into it. But yeah, Rouen and Grenoble are up at the top, and Provence and Massy are at the bottom. And Provence, I can see they should be quite high up. They, they could be going there. So tomorrow, Friday night, I'm going to see Colombia. And it's a team in which Fabien Gatier used to play, and I believe his son is playing there as well. Yes, and Thomas Ramos was lent to Colombier by Stade Toulousain to get him some game time. Yet they're, they're five miles away. They're, 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 at, at times they seem a Stade Toulousain yeah, B club. But they're, they're good fun. And it's nice to go to a, a smaller, more accessible club and just to wander around and see the rugby. So, so I'll be keeping an eye on them. So... So the people I'm following closest are Colombia. It must be said, Oyonnax are my favourites to get back in. Oyonnax and Biarritz. And let's not forget Van. Come on, come on, come on. You're disappointing me in a Breton team that <laughs> really, it. that was so, so, so close, so close to, to join the Premier League, but they got beaten, fortunately. But hey, I'm being very biased because I'm from Brittany. And but I'm pleased that another team that did really well in Britain, it's Rennes. Rennes, they are in the lower league, you know, below. So, yes, uh, rugby is growing more and more in the northwest of France. So, Tom, it's been great speaking to you. Thank you ever so much for that analysis about Toulouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my pleasure, Veronique. I will tell you how, Saturday, how Sunday's match go, goes. Don't forget that there is a Michelin-starred restaurant in the Toulouse rugby ground, so, so they've kept me my normal table, and uh, so I'll be able to make very fair judgments, free of any bias or gibbering. Are you saying there is a Michelin? A Michelin? Table? A Michelin-starred restaurant in the in Sardinus Valum. Oh, it's not, it's not starred. It's Michelin mentioned. It's, but there is a proper restaurant. We eat well. Nice, 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 nice cassoulet and red wine. And again, you can talk about wine another stage. <laughs> and for our friends, you know, Mike Pierce couldn't make it because he had to wash his hair. Uh, no, he was too busy, you know, uh, signing autograph from his book. His book is called Les Bleu Brothers. <laughs> the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, The Beauty and Brutality of French Rugby. And it's a fine book with a great forward by Nigel Owens, MBE. Yes. And it's a cool book and it's very easy to read. And so well done. Well done, Mike. So, hey, it's been a pleasure, you know, to, to speak with you. And let's speak again next week. And well, I say... Rugby Connections. Yes. And au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons Et la jolie cloche ding-ding-dong Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum Tout avec lui dit boum Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille